How are you guys doing tonight? Okay. If if you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. But I, I have to read. I have to read this first, just real quick. I didn't plan to do this, but every time I hear this song, I just I really have trouble singing it because I don't think I believe it. So I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And I, I get convicted because. I just wonder if I woke up tomorrow and really believed that, what it would be like. And I just kind of wonder, you know, if you take that into the school tomorrow and the people that go 9 to 5 like I do into their works and the people that that know parents and children and friends that don't know Christ, if they just took this song into that situation, what would that be like? Um, so that really just kind of hit me during the worship. So I'm going to pray for that, actually. Um, that that's what we kind of do and then we're going to start into the book of Galatians. So let's just pray one more time. Um, Father, I just pray for every single person in here that um, when we we wake up tomorrow, we know that you are with us and that you have planned for us to advance your kingdom. So I just pray we take that step of faith in whatever that looks like. And I pray that tonight that you speak through your word and that we not only hear it, as James said, but we actually do it. We love you, Jesus. You're incredible. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay. Uh, I, just, I also want to say I have an 11-month-old son, and so Mother's Day for me, this is the first real Mother's Day for my wife, and I just have to say that after taking care of my son for one afternoon, and my wife does it every day, that mothers are absolutely incredible. You, you deserve more than one day a year to be celebrated, but you only get one, so just if you're a mother in here, that's incredible. I just want to say that. Um, we're going to be in Galatians today. And the word that kept coming across when I was reading this was the word uh, rivalry, which sounds kind of strange because I think the topic on the little notes says something like living life by the Spirit, love. And then I picked the word rivalry. But I, I talked to Mark last week, and he said that I could talk about what I wanted to. So you can blame Mark if I'm way off. Um, but it, it, anyway, the, wor- the word rivalry, and I'll just introduce us with this, this little comment. I met this guy one time from um, Manchester. I'm not going to try the accent. And I said, I was just trying to make conversation. Oh, you probably support Manchester United. And the guy almost, he, I thought he was going to punch me. And he said, didn't you know that if you're from Manchester, you support Manchester City? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. Evidently, they're big rivals, right? Who knew? Uh, you probably have a rival that, that you know of, maybe at your work or in your family or something like that. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this is going to be helpful in the context of what we're going to talk about. So when we talk about this passage in Scripture, it's Galatians 5, I think I'm going to talk about verses 2 through verse 20, this idea of rivalry comes up. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing to a whole group of churches. And basically the teachings that he always comes through, and he's a missionary, he comes through these areas, and he says basically the same thing, is that faith in Christ is what saves you. It's a real simple message, and people just... They continue to mess it up. Faith in Christ is what saves you. And then he'll leave that area. And usually what happened, you can read this a lot in the book of Acts, is that Jewish people will then try to come into that church and say, you know what, faith in Christ is great and all that, but you really should be obeying the law of Moses as well. So they add something on top of that. Particularly in this passage, um, that sum up the law really is talking about circumcision. Okay, so if we read through some of these things and you're wondering why why is Paul talking about these people questioning about being circumcised, that's the issue. 
is that Paul is saying, it's faith in Christ. And his rivals are saying, yeah, faith in Christ is fine, but you should really also be following the law. Okay? So that's the setup in the context. And Paul really has two things to say about that. And I think both of them can be very, very applicable for today. So first of all, just talk about the two things he has to say about that general idea. Number one, love. Okay, this, is what I'm t- this, is, this is a letter to Christians in a church, so that's who I'm talking to. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay? So in chapter 5, verse 14, major point here. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one statement or, or one saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And this is kind of a strange idea because it's kind of saying that we don't actually as Christians fulfill the law of God by doing the laws or by keeping the checklists. We actually fulfill the law of God by loving others. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example of this, right? So, you know, Moses, he got given 10, 10 laws, and then the Jews in Jesus' time said, we don't think that's good enough. We'll make about 600 and make people follow all those. And, and Paul is going to come by. Jesus says the same thing. Actually, if you love one another and you love God, that's really all the fulfilling of the law that you need to do. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, some of you know I'm a high school teacher. And I try to mimic this in my classroom as best I can. And I work at a school that's got some good kids and also some not-so-good kids. And so when they come in on the first day, I have to set expectations for them or else it becomes crazy and I won't teach anything. So what I do is I come in and they sit down and I have my mean teacher face on and I look at them. And they expect me to go through like a list of 50,000 things they can't do, which, you know, I... I might need to do that. Uh, that's what they expect me to say. You know, don't talk when I'm talking. Don't tap your pen on the desk. Don't open up the window and spit on someone. Don't stab Jack and I. All those things. And I get up there and I say, you know what? I could tell you to do all these things, but I'm just going to tell you to do one thing. And if you do this one thing, it takes care of everything else. And I say, you treat other people how you want to be treated. And they say, oh. So that sounds religious. Are you religious? I say, yes, I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. You could be Muslim. You could be anything. If you obey that one rule, you'll never get a detention, and you will actually have a good experience in this class. And most of the time, they respond to it positively. And kind of in a way that is very similar to what Paul was saying with this idea of love one another. It fulfills the law. I think so many times as Christians, we feel a lot of pressure that we have to continue to keep the checklists. All right? And the great thing about the Bible is, you know, we didn't, we didn't become saved or justified by us keeping the law. And we don't keep being saved or sanctified. Or we, or, or, or we, aren't, we don't please God by just continuing to tick the boxes of the law. And that's going to be Paul's really major point through the first half of this passage. And that's kind of like a positive comment, which is good, positive comments. And then... Paul also talks about some kind of negative things that could happen. So what do you mean? Well, if, if you choose to say, you know what, I, I really do think I'm going to go down this route, not so much with Christ, but I'm going to try to be, just be a good person. I'm just going to follow the law. Paul says, look, you can do that, but there's going to be some consequences, okay? We'll talk about maybe one or two of those. But one of the things that he says, and this is in verse 3, he says that, um, or excuse me, verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, remember he's talking about if you're thinking you can do it by following the law, um, Christ is really of no benefit to you. In other words, all of that work you did on the cross is really not, not going to be for you because you're choosing to go this way. 
And then he says it again. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision or follows the law that he is under obligation to keep the whole thing. In other words, if you go down that route, you need to understand that you've got to keep it all, all of the time. And the obvious point that he's saying is that you can't keep the whole law. And you can't keep it all the time. And I can't remember the book now, but there's, there, there's one, I think James says it this way. He says, if you break one law, you're guilty of breaking it all. It's like a window. You know, if you crack a window in the top right corner, the window is still cracked. It doesn't matter where you hit it. You know, because a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm kind of good. You know, I kind of do this and that. Um, but you've got to keep the whole law. And that's a consequence you, you don't want. Another major consequence that he says, and this one is, is in verse 15. It's a little bit later on. It's a very strange verse. He says, look, I'm telling you, all you churches, you just got to love one another. That's what I'm saying to you. If you don't do it, there's some consequences. But the big, big end result of that, and this is real strange. So I'm just read this. You should really read the Bible because it says some crazy stuff. Verse 15, chapter 5 says this. Eventually, you're going to bite and devour one another. Take care that you are not consumed by one another. That's Paul's warning. You're thinking, I, you know, I don't, I don't eat people, Paul. I like chicken. I like some fish. I'm not going to eat. What is, what is he trying to say? He's, he's basically trying to, he's trying to paint a picture for us. Is what happens as a church when we start just following rules and we forget to love one another. And the picture, have you ever seen a, like a nature program? And they go to Africa, and they're, like, talking about a pride of lions or something like that. And there's, like, a lioness that goes out, and she kills something, and she brings it back. You know, she doesn't eat it by herself. She brings it back, and all the other lions get around it. It's kind of a gross picture. And if you've ever seen that, they just completely tear, you know, that, that animal to shreds. And Paul is actually using those kinds of terms. And he's not saying it literally, but spiritually in a church, it actually becomes bloody, when we cease to love and just try to follow the law. And if you've ever been in a church that has divisions and factions, or if you've ever been in a church that splits, you'll know that that's true. So he gives some positive reinforcement. You, you, just, have to, you just have to love one another. And then he gives some consequences for it, and they're quite severe. Okay, So all of these churches are then you know, thinking, well, okay, we clearly don't want that to happen. So it's like they're saying, so Paul, what do we do? If we don't want that to happen in our lives, what, what do we do? And then we get to verse 16. And it's great because Paul doesn't say, well, you just, just be better people and just try harder, and then maybe God will pay attention and love you. He doesn't say that. He says, look, you, walk, you just walk by the Spirit. It's verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Walk. It, it doesn't really mean just walk. It, it, it kind of has this idea that, it's like a continuous habit or a lifestyle or a continual process of something. You continue to walk in the Spirit. So if you do that, continue on verse 16, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Okay? So this is going to be Paul's kind of second major point, and we need to be aware of this as Christians. Once again, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit... You will not, if you do this, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Okay, so we go back to that main thing of, of, of rivalry here, okay? In us, every day, if you're a believer, you have a rivalry going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What is it? Spirit and the flesh. Spirit of God taking you in one direction always. 
the flesh, taking you in another direction, always. All right, flesh, not like skin, but maybe your will or your emotions or your mind or the natural stuff that is a part of us because we're humans. Okay? In fact, you may even think of it like this. You actually have a civil war going on in between you, which sounds kind of serious. I mean, is it really that serious? Well, let's take a, let's take a look again at verse 17 right after that. Um, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, it's going this way, right? The flesh, it sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Right? So the second point, really, that Paul is trying to make to us as believers is that the desires we have in our flesh are not just simply neutral to what the Spirit of God is doing. You know, sometimes we think of people, maybe they don't know Christ, they're just kind of sitting on the fence. They're actually kind of running in the opposite direction. And if we're not careful as Christians, if we cease to be going in the right direction, walking in the Spirit, then that other thing, that other in us, that other desire, is going to be pulling us in the opposite direction. I was thinking about this. It's kind of like swimming in a river. If you swim, you know, with the current, it's really fast. But sometimes you have to turn around and swim against the current. And it's funny. The reason I thought about that is because um, Guy Larrera, if you you don't know Guy, is fantastic. But he swims in the Thames River. And I don't get that. In fact, I, I went down there with him because I just really wanted to see him do it. And he was getting in the water and he's swimming. And there was a guy that was fishing. I don't even know if you know this. And I said, what do, you, what do you think? We were chatting. I said, what do you think about my friend swimming in the river? The guy's fishing. He said, he said, mate, I don't even eat the fish I catch in this river. I don't see why he's swimming in it. But anyway, it's kind of like that. And I don't remember the times that you said, but I think it said it took him twice as long to swim back up the stream than going with the current. Is that about true, you think? And, you know, sometimes as Christians, we experience this, this tension between walking with the Spirit, okay, and, and being pulled by by the desires of our flesh. You know, sometimes, it, it, I know in my personal life, I've thought, well, if I'm not really feeling right about something, that I shouldn't do it. Or if I'm not feeling right about something, that it's not God's desire, or it's not God's will. And actually, what Paul is kind of saying is, you know what? If you walk by the Spirit, if you go in this direction, if you're following God's will, a lot of times that, that desire of the flesh is still going to pull you in the opposite way. And you actually may not feel like it's the right thing to do. Which is kind of weird because we, we, want, we want to just say, well, we, you know, whatever feels right, do it. Which is definitely not the case. So I'll give you a personal example of this um, that happened this, this Thursday. Of just kind of a situation where you get to like a crossroads. Where it's like you can either go this way or you can either go this way. Uh, I was at parents' evening this Thursday. And um, it, it was about an hour left to go. And there were, there were some parents around but not too many. And I was marking some papers. I just had my head down looking and marking some papers trying to get those done. And uh, another teacher comes up to me and um, and says, hey, you know, Josh, don't look now, but so-and-so's, so-and-so's mom just walked in the room. Just take a look at that. And I just, at the crossroads, spirit, flesh, and I just looked down at the paper and said, you know, I'm not interested in it. Just kept ticking, kept ticking, kept ticking. And, and I, I was hoping that was just going to end the conversation and he was just going to go back to the table. But instead he said, well, why not? And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, well, now I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> but, but it's at that crossroads where you can go, go, go towards the Spirit and go towards the flesh. And so the Spirit just kind of said to me, well, 
say to him, Job 31.1. Okay. So I said, well, if you want to know why not, because Job 31.1. And he's like, is that the Bible? Yeah, it's the Bible. And then he walks off. So I'm like, okay, well, that's into that conversation. And about two or three minutes later, he comes back with his iPhone. And he guess what he's looked up? Job 31.1. If you don't know what it says, it, it says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I, I will not look lustfully at a girl. And so he's looking at the iPhone, he's looking at me, he's okay, yeah, I, I, I'm fine. He's, he's religious, he has religion, so he's, I can kind of get that. I said, you know the real crazy verse, because the Spirit's constantly just saying, you know, walk by the Spirit. And then he's like, you tell him about, tell him about what Jesus says about this. I'm like, all right, here we go. So, you know, if you like that verse, um, you're really going to like what Jesus says about it. And he says, go on, all right. So look at Matthew chapter 5. So we get his iPhone and we're flipping down, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5. And, of course, Jesus, I think I say this every time, but, you know, Jesus does not float above the ground. He does not have a basket of puppies and flowers. He, he, he tells you the truth. It's in love, but it's the truth. And yet, of course, Matthew chapter 5 says, if you look at a woman um, with lust, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And he reads this, and he's looking at the iPhone, and he's looking at me, and he's looking at his iPhone like, you are crazy. And I'm like, you know, you, you asked me, you asked me why. I said, that's why. But I guess the point of what I'm telling you is this. is it, And we kept, we, we had a dialogue after that, which I won't tell you everything that was said. But he even showed me, you know, part of his, his Bible about the laws that he keeps. I guess the point of what I'm trying to say, and I think what, what really the whole idea of this passage is, is that he obeys the law, the law, his law. But he does it because he's afraid. Because the result of him not obeying the law is condemnation and judgment. But it's, and God, this is incredible, okay? As Christians, we don't obey laws because we're afraid of judgment. Because the judgment's already been poured out in Jesus. If you're a Christian, God looks at you, he's not ever mad at you. Not ever, because he's already poured that out on his son. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have done or nothing you can do that God couldn't forgive or wants to forgive or wants to reconcile with. Because he poured that wrath out on his son. See, I, I didn't want to look at that woman, not because I'm a super good person, because I love my wife and because I love Christ. The motivation is love, not fear. And scripture says that perfect love drives out fear. Just hang on to that. Um, and, and also something else that I want to say, I get this kind of picture in my mind about sitting in a football game, is that when we come to those points in our day, and I promise you, if you don't have those points where you can either walk by, you know, you can either choose to walk by the Spirit, walk by the flesh, ask God tomorrow to give you an opportunity, and I promise you He will do it. I promise you tomorrow. If you say, God, I want that opportunity to, to follow you and not follow my flesh, what I want to do, the easy thing, I promise he'll give it to you. And the analogy that I see in my head is it's like, and I'm, me as an example, there's so many times where I, it's like I'm, I, I'm good enough to start for a really good football team, but I'm sitting on the sidelines. And it's like the coach is looking at me and he's saying, look, you've got the skills. Our team is down by one goal. We need you just to get in the match and play. Just stand up and get in the match and play. And I just say, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. That's the kind of picture I get in my mind. So just kind of kind of to recap before we get to the last section of this. Uh, Paul's, Paul's first major point is love is fulfillment of the law. Second major point is we, we've, got, we've got desires inside of us. 
We've got the Holy Spirit one way. We've got our flesh that's going in opposite directions. And Paul gives us, I, you know how Santa has a naughty and nice list? I call the last couple of verses Paul's naughty or nice list. I have no idea why. Um, but the most familiar part of this passage is, is going to be, you know, the fruits of the Spirit or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those. And I see these lists as kind of Paul's, Paul's naughty list and Paul's nice list. And say, why does he list out two lists of things? And I think what he's doing is he's, he's helping those Christians and those churches to understand how their lives and where those lives are. So I'm, gonna read, I'm just going to read the two lists, and I'm not going to talk about them. And this is going to kind of start the closing of, of my talk. So what I want you to do, you feel free to read along with me, but I really want you just to think about, I want you to think about the words in the naughty list and the words in the nice list. And I want you to think, which one of those characterizes your life? And I use the words characterize, not use the word, have you ever done one of those before? Okay, because remember, it's about walking. It's about a continual thing, not have I slipped and accidentally done something once. Our lives will be marked not by perfection, but by our continual striving to be like Christ because we love him and we want to. Okay, so that's the first thing I'll do is just let me turn real quick to Galatians. I'm going to read this two lists and just let this be a time of just you're thinking about your life and and let the Holy Spirit bring things up and convict you um, if need be of this. So this is going to be Galatians chapter 5 I'm getting blind verses 20 verses 19 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, translation if you're walking towards your flesh Okay, or letting the desires of your flesh rule you. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, and I'm reading from probably older translation, so it may not say it in your Bible, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, Right? This is a loving forewarning of Paul. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things, please see the word practice, not who have done them before or stumble and do them, but those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is the nice list. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, And then this great phrase, against such things, there is no law. There's no law. So be thinking about this. Um, I'm going to pray in just a second. And I really think there's going to kind of be two groups of people in here. Number one, people who just need to hear that God is pleased with you. He is absolutely pleased with you. And he wants you to enjoy him. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I kind of picture my favorite food is fried chicken. And I just picture myself pulling up to a banquet of fried chicken and just devouring it. Because God says, taste and see that I'm good. I think some of you are in that place. I think some other of you, if you're Christian, you're going to be the place that you are a Christian and you have the spirit in your life. But you realize that there are some things in your life that you're letting the flesh lead you instead of the spirit lead you 
And as I'm praying, you just need to, you just need to ask the Lord, you know, reveal that to me and give me the desire to turn from that and follow your spirit. Because I guarantee you, whatever that aspect is, it's going to be better to follow him. I guarantee you, it's going to be more pleasing, more enjoyable, everything to follow him. And kind of thirdly, um, when I pray the last kind of group of people, I think some people may be thinking to themselves, you know what? I maybe only have one influence in my life. I maybe only have my flesh. Maybe after examining my heart and listening to these lists, I've realized that I actually don't have the spirit in my life pulling me towards God. And so you may want to just say, God, I want your spirit. I believe, I believe that Christ died so that I don't have to fulfill the law. He did it for me. I want to put my faith in that. I want your spirit in me. So that may be a third group of people. I don't know. So when I pray, just be thinking about those things um, as I do that. So let's just go ahead, bow our heads, and just take a moment. I'll just wait for a moment, and then I'll pray.